And so the Holy Spirit speaks through James to give us some guidance on how to walk through trials well. And I want to read the first three verses of this chapter again this week because these verses are really the foundation for the entire chapter. And actually, starting in verse 2, it says, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. Do you get excited over reading that verse? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. <laughs> it's not the most exciting, is it? But then when we read on what God wants to produce in our lives through those trials, we should be able to get excited about that because we all want the nature of God produced in our lives, right? We all want maturity in Him developed in our lives. And so James is telling us, okay, trials will come. It's part of life. We will encounter trials. But God will use those things to develop his nature in us if we let him. And so James goes on and he gives us some jewels of wisdom to know how to walk through a trial well so that God can develop his nature in us. And in this first chapter, he gives us at least 12 jewels of instruction how to walk through trials well. And the first one, like I said, you may want to take notes and jot these things down, because even if you're not in the trial today, they just might come in handy down the road, okay? <laughs> so the first one is ask God for wisdom. We talked about this one last week, so we're not going to take more time with it today, but I encourage you to go back and listen because he tells us to ask God for wisdom, then he tells us what God promises as a result, and he even tells us how to ask because he knows us so well and knows our human nature and knows how we usually ask, and he helps us to know how to ask better. So there's a lot packed into that one that we covered last week. The second jewel that he gives us is rejoice. And look with me at verse 9. In verses 9 through 11, it says, Let the brother in humble circumstances glory in his elevation as a Christian, called to the true riches, and to be an heir of God. And the rich person ought to glory in being humbled by being shown his human frailty, because like the flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun comes up with the scorching heat, and parches the grass. The flower falls off and its beauty fades away. Even so will the rich man wither and die in the midst of his pursuits. That word glory in verses 9 and 10 literally means rejoice. When we're in humble circumstances, maybe without much materially, and then maybe we find ourselves in new circumstances with blessings. 
He's telling us, rejoice. That's the first one he addresses, rejoice. But it's not rejoicing in the blessings and the abundance. He's saying to us, rejoice because of true riches in Christ, the true riches which you have always already had and which you will always continue to have as a child of God. That's what we need to be rejoicing in, recognizing that he's our source for everything. We have true riches in him regardless of what the external situation and circumstances say. And then he goes on and gives us the reverse scenario. When we have everything and then our circumstances change and we don't have much materially, rejoice. Again, he tells us, it's okay. You can still rejoice because you are rich in true blessings from God. You have relationship with God. You have hope in God. You have peace in God. You can have joy in God regardless of what the circumstances say, regardless of the amount of blessings that you physically see in your lives. We can rejoice in God anyways because all of those things are temporary and they will all pass away. He's telling us, hey, whatever your circumstances, rejoice. Whatever you're going through, rejoice. And a lot of this has to deal with, uh, in these verses, uh, trials dealing with material things. But in any kind of trial we go through, we need to be able to rejoice and recognize that we are rich in God. No matter what's going on around us, we have so much in Him. We have life in Him. Aren't you thankful for that? We have life on this earth in Him. We have life for eternity with Him. That is good news. And no matter what's going on around us, we can rejoice in our relationship with Him. I'm thankful this morning for Renee. She was up here singing on our worship team. And just this morning, she got some very difficult news. But yet, she chose to rejoice and be up here worshiping God in the midst of that. Ladies, no matter what we face, we can rejoice in God. We are so rich in Him no matter what's going on around us. And then, these verses right here really are not just talking about rejoicing, but they're also talking about humility. And so right from this same passage, we get the third jewel that James is giving us, and that is to stay humble. You see, when we're in lack, when we're going through a trial, these are opportunities for our faith to increase and for God's faithfulness to be seen in our lives. But very often when we go through a trial, especially a financial trial and things are difficult, instead of letting humility be seen in our lives, very often pride is what rises to the surface because we don't want anyone to know. We don't want anyone to know what we're going through. And we try to hide that. And then we become angry. And then sometimes we blame others and we blame God. And God is just encouraging us through these verses. In trials that we face, let's stay humble. Let's keep humble hearts. Humble circumstances don't always bring out humility. Sometimes they bring out pride. But we need to be women that allow ourselves to stay humble 
so that God can do in us what he is wanting to do in and through us in the midst of it. Let people see that we're trusting God in the midst of a challenge. And when we let them see that we're trusting God, then when God shows up, and intervenes in that situation, they are going to see God's faithfulness. They are going to see God's miracle-working power, and they're going to be drawn closer to Him. They're going to see more of who He is. That's what we want from our lives, isn't it? That's what James is encouraging us to do here. You know, all the possessions in life, all the recognition, all the status, all the beauty, all the wealth, it will all pass away. Even these human fleshly bodies will pass away. But he's encouraging us here to live with an eternal perspective. See beyond what's temporary. Rejoice. Be humble. The fourth thing James tells us here is to be patient. How many of you get excited about that one? In verse 12, <laughs> it says, Blessed. Happy to be envied is the man who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation. For when he has stood the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. I realize I'm not always the best at being patient, even with the little daily things, let alone big trials. How about you? I mean, even just last night, Dinner was ready, and it was on the table, and as my husband's standing in the back of the room, I'm going to tell on myself, <laughs> and I thought he was ready for dinner, and so I put dinner on the table, and I'm sitting at the table with the food in front of me, and he's doing stuff. I don't know what he's doing. doing finishing up stuff. I'll be right there. I'll be right there. The food's getting cold, and I guess I at the table going like this on the table with my fingers <laughs> and my sweet husband says be patient already I'm coming <laughs> and when he said the word be patient I had to laugh on the inside because I've been studying James chapter 1 <laughs> and I thought oh I can't even be patient with the littlest things in daily life Lord, I really need help being patient in trials. Anybody else have difficulty with patience? <laughs> oh, good. I'm not the only one. <laughs> I think sometimes it will help us if we think about patience differently. Because patience here, it's literally talking about endurance. Having endurance where we don't give up. So think with me about physical endurance. Do we have any runners in the room? Okay, a couple. All right. So on your very first run, do you have amazing endurance? No, you build up to it, right? It comes over time. It's developed. Well, it's the same thing spiritually. We need to allow endurance to be developed. And when I was thinking about this, I thought about my niece, Sarah, who is here this morning. And they have a, a son who is about to turn five. 
And for the majority of his short little life thus far, he has dealt with very severe allergies. And he was diagnosed with countless allergies that have really presented them with quite a trial because it has not just impacted this little boy, but it has impacted the whole family on needing to learn how to eat differently and uh, even places that they can go and what, what they've touched before they touch him and who he's around who may have touched something and then they're touching him and it just impacts everything in every part of their lives. And even to the point of you know, being in a grocery store near the, you know where they have the open bins with the oats and the, the bulk things like that? I mean, if she even got anywhere near close to those, he'd break out in hives. So it was really a severe thing in their lives. And in the beginning of learning how to deal with this, she will be the first one to admit that there was not a whole lot of endurance there. <laughs> and there were many days that it was extremely difficult and where she just wanted to give up and didn't know how to navigate it and felt like a basket case at sometimes. Anyone ever felt like a basket case in the middle of a trial? Sure, <laughs> it happens. And then, she began to press into God's word and find out what his promises said. And then as she began to grab hold of God's promises and cling to them and pray them over her son and really believing God for his healing, then faith built and endurance increased. And then as they walked through this, there was a much greater patience and endurance in the process. And then they'd go to the allergist and he'd be tested and they'd discover, oh, he doesn't have this one anymore. He doesn't have this one anymore. He's been healed of those. Yay, more endurance is developed. And then they go on, continue plugging into God's word, clinging to his promises, applying it to their lives, growing in faith, growing in endurance. Then they go back to the allergist. Oh, and now he's been healed of this one. And he's been healed of this one. Until now, there is only one remaining allergy that they are believing God for. But the endurance has grown. And now there's such a confidence of knowing, yeah, God's going to heal that one too. God's going to take care of that. You see, endurance is built and developed in our lives when we allow it to be built and developed. When we sit in a hole and worry and live in fear and all wrought up in anxiousness, that does not develop endurance in our lives. But when we dig into God's word, see what he says, cling to him, it builds endurance into our lives. Many of you here today, Maybe you're going through things that you've been going through for a very long time. I want to encourage you this morning, do not give up. Let endurance develop in your life. In Psalm 27, 14, it says, Wait, hope for, and expect the Lord. Be brave and have good courage. Let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait, hope for, and expect the Lord. Let's let our hearts be enduring. The next jewel that James gives us, he says, now, 
As you're going through trials, don't blame God. Verse 19, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted from God. For God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. James says, okay, now let's just get the record straight right here. God does not tempt anyone. But then James goes on to help us understand, and he explains where temptations come from. In verse 14, it says, but every person is tempted when he is drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil desire, lust, passions. Then the evil desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully matured, brings forth death. Wow. I told you last week, James just says it like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. And in these verses, in verse 14, where it says drawn away, that literally means to be lured out, like in hunting, where the game, where the animal is lured out of its hiding place. Ladies, we've got to understand and be aware that the enemy wants to lure us out of our place of safety with God. And we can be vulnerable when we're going through a trial. We need to be aware of our fleshly desires and that they can tempt us and the enemy will try to use those things to lure us out, to be prey for the enemy. Think about it with me for a moment. Think about if someone's going through financial trials, it can cause people to be tempted by their own fleshly desires for material things to cheat, to be dishonest, to deceive, even to steal for their own financial gain, right? Think about it in the midst of a marriage trial. People can be tempted by their own desires of looking over somewhere else and thinking the grass is greener, thinking that someone else will understand them better. Someone else will be able to relate to them better, will talk to them more, will listen more, will understand their emotional needs, thinking that someone else will be a better provider for them. We need to recognize when those fleshly desires and things try to pop up, we need to catch them immediately because the enemy will use those things to lure us out. And every time we ponder, we think on those desires, we're incubating them and causing them to grow. And the enemy's getting one step closer to getting us into his trap. And when we ponder those evil desires long enough, it will give birth to sin. You know what sin literally means in the Bible? In the original writings, the definition of sin, it literally means missing the mark, veering off of God's path for us. 
And then, if we continue down a different road and we don't return, we end up separating ourselves from God and missing out on the life that He has for us, the life He created and intended us to live. A life of blessing, of growth, of maturity, of purpose, of fulfillment, of life with Him on this earth and for eternity. Ladies, we've got to recognize this. We can't play around with the fleshly desires that pop up. We have said the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And right here in these verses, his light is shining that light beam on our path. And maybe you're listening and you have been toying around with fleshly desires, thinking on those things. Maybe you say, I haven't stepped out. I haven't done anything yet. If you're thinking on them, you're getting one step closer every time. Let the word be that light beam shining on your path today to get you back on God's path, to take authority over those thoughts. Do not be led astray. Let's heed James' advice to us today. We can't blame God and we can't be led astray. And that is the eighth jewel that he is giving us here, his eighth bit of advice. Do not be led astray. He explains it for us, he lays it out, and then he says it clearly in verse 16. Do not be misled, my beloved brethren. Don't let trials cause you to be led astray and led into temptations. He's telling us, hey, those fleshly desires, they're only deceiving you. They are deceiving you. But then he goes on to say, here's the reality. Don't listen to those things. They're only lies. They're only deceiving you. Here is the reality. This is truth. And I want to read verses 16 to 18 to you from the Message Bible. It says it so well. It says, my very dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. We can get off course. We can think, oh, well, this it will be better. This is a good thing. This will be better off here. It's deception. It's a lie. Every good thing comes from God alone. And then he says, these gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. God is the Father of light. The enemy is the father of lies. We've got to remember that. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. God is a good God who has only good for you. He has a good life for you, a good future for you, good purposes for you. Don't let yourself be led astray and led off onto another path contrary to what he has for you. He has so much in your future, so much he wants to do in and through you, through all of us, if we just let him. Then James continues in verse 19. And in this verse, he gives us three nuggets all packed into this one verse. 
It says, understand this, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense, and to get angry. The seventh thing he tells us here is, listen. We don't always like to listen, do we? <laughs> the verse said, be quick to hear, a ready listener. When facing a trial, so often we just want to blaze through that trial with our own perspective. This is what's happening. This is what they did to me. This is how it is. This is the right perspective. We try to get others to believe our perspective and our side of the story, right? We just want to blaze through the trial and get it over with and not hear anybody else's perspective. But very often, our trials in life involve other people, don't they? Other people with other perspectives. And so that means we've got to get good at stopping and quieting everything that's going on in our minds and listening. And listening to someone else's perspective. Listen to where they're coming from. And we also need to listen to godly counsel when we're going through trials. Sometimes we need to ask others for godly counsel and listen to their wisdom. Sometimes we ask, but then we've got our walls up and our defenses up, and we don't really like what they have to say anyway, so it doesn't matter, and we just brush it off. We've got to listen. And most of all, when we're going through a trial, we need to listen to God. How often when we're going to a, to, through a trial do we come to God and we just dump it all out at Him and this is it and God fix it. God fix it. I need you to fix this and fix it this way. A, B, C, D. <laughs> and then we run off on our way without listening to what He has to say. James knows our human nature so well. And so he tells us, listen. And then... He says, number eight, know when to be quiet and be slow to speak. Biting our tongue can be a challenge on any day of the week, let alone when we're in the middle of a trial. Has anyone else ever noticed that? We're women. Sometimes it's difficult to bite our tongues. <laughs> Maybe you're dealing with a challenge in a relationship. Have you ever noticed that when we're dealing with a challenge with someone and especially maybe, let's think about this in terms of a family member who's been frustrating you and they've done things for a while that have been frustrating you and then they do something else. None of you have ever encountered a situation like this, right? What happens when they do something else? We want to just unload on them, don't we? We want to just spit out everything we're thinking in the moment. We want to spit out every emotion that we're feeling at the moment. We become hysterical in that moment. We also become historical because we remember everything they've ever done. And we want to tell them all about that too, right? <laughs> we need to learn to take those things to God first. Learn to be quiet. <laughs> Take them to God first. Let him help us to let go of the things in the past that we don't need to be holding on to and ask him for his wisdom to know what to say, when to say it, how to say it, and he will show us. 
But let's be slow to speak. Be quiet. And let's go to God first. And then the ninth thing, still in the same verse, let go of anger. It says in verse 19, be slow to take offense and to get angry. And then he continues with this thought right into verse 20. For man's anger does not promote the righteousness God wishes and requires. Anger, picking up offenses, it doesn't do any good. But it sure is easy to do when we're under pressure and in a trial, isn't it? Sometimes we wouldn't even be in the trial if we didn't pick up the anger or offense. I want to ask you this morning, think about your own life. Are you angry with anyone currently? Is there any anger going on in your heart towards anyone? If so, think about what it's producing in your life. How is it causing you to treat that person? What is the fruit that's being produced by it? I want to tell you this morning, it is only hurting you. I wish we had time today to talk about offenses and the trap that they are from the enemy. The enemy loves to get us to pick up an offense because then it holds us in his trap and keeps us from going forward with God. Recognize if there's any anger in your heart. Recognize what it's producing. It is not doing any good. So James tells us, let go of the anger. And then number 10, he says, and let go of the filth that's produced by the anger. Sometimes we don't realize all the things that are produced by the anger. Verse 21, it continues on from verse 20. It's a continuous thought. It says, so get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness. Verse 21 starts with the word so, or maybe therefore in your translation. It's continuing that thought about anger. All of those things that anger produces in you, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, it's uncleanness and it is a rampant outgrowth of wickedness. Anyone ever notice how quickly things can snowball and stem out of anger. We need to recognize those things because they will ultimately destroy our relationships and sabotage the future that God has for us. They will take us on a different path other than the one God intended us to be on that will carry us further forward into the future he has for us. And then verse 21 continues, and it says, In a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word which, implanted and rooted in your hearts, contains the power to save your souls. Now James is telling us, okay, you got rid of anger. got rid of the things that grow out of that anger. Now, go to the word. Number 11, go to the word. Make an exchange. Replace the anger and the filth that comes from anger. Replace that with the word. Find a promise from God in the word for you, for the situation that you're facing, that you're dealing with. Find out what the word says about the person that you're having a challenge with. Because they're our neighbor, right? 
whether they live next door or not. And aren't we called to love our neighbors as ourselves? Find out what the word says about our situation and about the people that we're dealing with in those situations and then meditate on the word. Let it sink into our hearts. It will save our soul from turmoil, from heartache and destruction. And then James, he knows us so well. He knows our human nature that he says, okay, I can't just tell him to go to the Word because they'll just go there and then go off and do something else. I need to take it a step further and tell them, number 12, do the Word. Don't just read the Word, do the Word. Verse 22, but be doers of the Word. Obey the message and not merely listeners to it. Betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he's like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in a mirror. For he thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and promptly forgets what he was like. But, listen to verse 25, he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it, and perseveres in looking into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he shall be blessed in his doing, in his life of obedience. So let's talk about this, what this looks like in the midst of a challenge. Let's talk about what it looks like in the midst of a challenge with someone. So if the word says that we're to love that other person as we love ourselves, and if the word says that they are made in the image and likeness of God, we can read that and just kind of know it up here and then still talk terribly to that person and still treat them poorly. We can still hold on to anger and resentment toward them. And when we do that, we are only deceiving ourselves. Remember the passion behind James writing? He says, hey, haven't we had an encounter with God? Shouldn't it be changing our lives from the inside out? Let's not deceive ourselves. Let's not just read the word and think that we're doers of it because we read it. No, let's really do it. Let's be believers not just say we are. And as we look into the word, the word that brings freedom in our lives and do what it says, then we're going to live this life that he called us to live, a life of blessing. And you know what? We're going to have healthy relationships as we go forward. And we're going to see God work in the midst of our situations. So he's just telling us, okay, sweetheart, just remember, don't just go to the Word. Do the Word. And then finally, James wraps up this chapter in verse 26 and 7. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, piously observant of the external duties of his faith, and does not bridle his tongue, but deludes his own heart, this person's religious service is worthless, futile, barren. External religious worship, religion as is expressed in outward acts, that is pure and unblemished in the sight of God the Father is this, to visit and help and care for the orphans and widows in their affliction and need, and to keep oneself unspotted and uncontaminated from the world. James concludes by saying, Now, 
Last thing I told you was to do the word. So as you're doing the word, don't get all pious on me. Don't get all religious on me. Don't put yourself on a religious pedestal. Make sure that you are continually examining every other area of your life. Staying pure before God. It's great to apply the word to that particular situation where you're facing a challenge of going through a trial. But what about all the other areas of your life? Let's not forget about them too. Let's make sure that we are letting our lives be pure, not contaminated by the world. It's as though he's just asking us to stop and think about the other areas of our life. Think about the way you talk, the things that you say when you're at home. Not at church, because we know you all say the right things at church. <laughs> the things you say at home, the things you say when you're out with your friends. Is there purity in your speech? Are you keeping yourself uncontaminated from the world? God wants our lives to be pure, uncontaminated by the filth of the world around us, genuinely demonstrating his nature, his love in all we do, loving others, reaching out to others who are in need, helping them, letting his love be seen through us. So this final thing that he's telling us, number 13, is let godly fruit be seen in every area of your life. Remember, James, he grew up in the same house with Jesus and didn't believe that he was the Son of God until after he had an encounter with him after Jesus rose from the dead. That encounter changed him. It transformed his life. It caused him to recognize, man, this is not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. This is not about legalism. This is about being transformed so that we can walk through life well, so that we can walk through trials well, so that God can be seen in every area of and his words went forth to encourage the people in his day. But all these years later, the Holy Spirit uses his words today to help us, to encourage us, to keep us on the path that God has for us. I want to be a woman who walks through life well, reflecting God, who walks through challenges and trials well, so that God can mold and develop in me the things that he wants to. Don't you? That should be the cry of our hearts, just like it was the cry of James' heart. I want us to pray together this morning. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for life with you. God, that an encounter with Jesus changes our lives. God, help us to be women that are changed because of our genuine encounter with Jesus. That our lives are transformed on the inside, causing us to walk through life differently. Where you are seen 
And God, where your nature is continually developed more and more within us, God. Thank you, Father. And Father, I just pray for women here today. Maybe there are some that are in the midst of a trial. God, I just pray that you would just cause your word to be so alive in their hearts today. And that as things were talked about from this chapter today, God, I pray that your spirit would just draw their attention to the things they need to apply in their situation, God. Father, help us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is our helper. Help us to live life well, that you would be seen, that you would be clearly seen to others around us, God. In Jesus' name. And ladies, just keep your heads bowed for a moment. Maybe you're here today, and you can say that you have never truly had your own personal encounter with Jesus. Maybe you came with a friend. Maybe, maybe you know people who have had an encounter with God, but you've never experienced that for yourself. Oh, you, you can. You absolutely can experience that today. We have a loving Heavenly Father whose arms are stretched out wide to you. And He wants you to know that He loves you and you are so valuable to Him. And He has an amazing life, an amazing future He wants to walk into with you. And all you have to do is just ask Him to come and be Lord of your life. So often we try to live life on our own, figuring out how to do it all on our own, and he's just saying to you, hey, sweetheart, you don't have to do it anymore. You don't have to strive anymore. I'm here and I want to do it with you. If you want to live life in relationship with him, we're going to pray a prayer today, and I just want you to wrap your heart around this prayer as we pray together. And I'm going to ask everyone in this place to pray today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me and you sent Jesus to die for me so I can live in relationship with you. And right now I surrender to you. And I stop trying to do life all on my own. I ask you to be Lord of my life. And I choose to live for you. I choose to live with you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I believe there are women in this place who gave their lives to the Lord today. And I want to encourage you, if that is you, as you dig into his word, he will reveal himself to you. Open your heart to him, and you will have an encounter with God that will transform you on the inside can we give women a hand who came into God's family today? Awesome.